0: Welcome to Phantom Faction Podcast, a podcast to educate, entertain, assist, and guide anyone involved or interested in the paranormal. To reach out to Phantom Faction, see our Facebook page or email us directly at phantomfaction at outlook.com. Here's your trio of hosts, Dan, John, and Danny.
1: Welcome to this edition of Phantom Faction Podcast. I'm Danny. I'm Dan. And I'm John. We're together once again. And uh, guys, how, how was the last couple of weeks?
2: We did a ship, did an investigation at uh, one of our podcast guests' homes. And uh, hopefully we'll have some good EVPs mm-hmm. or some other uh, type of Always evidence to go back onto the podcast.
1: Yeah. Always interesting doing people's homes. I mean, you're... you're... Going in, you're actually going into their personal space, rooms yeah. and space. So it's always tough, isn't it? Or? Well, you know what?
2: It, it, it all depends on the homeowner.
1: Yeah, and, and you knew this person. So yeah, and if you
2: know, you know if they got little kids at home or they got pets, yeah. you know, and they've got a big goofy dog and uh, right, you know, and he's really excitable. But they, they got rid of the kid and the dog <laughs> <laughs> for most of the night, which was good. Yeah, and it, you know, but then mm-hmm. you lose sight of the. The ghost investigation. We all start talking and oh, yeah. laughing yeah. it up, and you know, and yeah. you know, we don't. We're not as serious as we should be at, at times. <laughs> that's true. But that's it was true. good. Uh, lots of orbs yeah. on the infrared, that's and uh, a couple EVPs so far, but nothing really, yeah. nothing really major. Yeah, I so, find that
1: happens on uh, when you get together for an investigation because you don't do them every day or every week mm, no. or whatever. It might not, be a couple months later, so everybody gets together and they just well, want to catch up. up. Yeah, we're not yeah. militant enough. Right? So. <laughs> yeah,
3: you almost need something to happen really quick to get everybody's attention and focused. Yeah, yeah. and That's if it right. doesn't, you're right. You catch up on how things been, and sure, exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And John,
1: your uh, your place has been all right.
3: Yeah, my house is still. I got activity going on. Um, I'm seeing this uh, kind of a, you know, almost I want to call it like a bird, black bird. I catch it in the corner of my eye flying. It's like this shape like, like moving a around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, but it's not big. It's, you know, like a foot across. Really? And I'm seeing that in the house. Um, and then I was telling you guys when we stopped for a bite deep before the pod, um, where I worked is a historic building. It used to be an old hotel and it's begun had many lives over its 150 odd years. And I was telling Dan and Danny that, uh, I saw two full color apparitions standing in this room that we now use for cutting lumber. Mm-hmm. And, um, there was a woman and a man, and I actually could hear a little bit of the conversation or uh, it was muted to me, but the woman sounded like she had uh, like a Dutch mm-hmm. accent. Um, and I was waiting on a customer and I put my hand out thinking they were customers, uh, we have a lot of Mennonites in our area, and that's kind of the dress was – the garb similar. was similar to that. And then just literally I went and handed something to a customer and then turned and went in to go, and the room's empty. And I look all around. There's nobody in there. The doors on the far side of the building were somewhat, are locked, so they couldn't have come in. And I realized that there's no way somebody could have got past me, and these were some kind of – And when I went in that room and I'm looking around, I was telling you guys, literally every hair on my body was standing up. And I'm, like, telling them, okay, get off me. Um,
2: they were trying to get your attention. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And um, so that that's really the biggest thing that happened in the, yeah. little, since the last time we've met.
1: And that's sort of uh, the vision that you get uh, just watching some of the paranormal TV shows or some of the so-called experts and stuff, mm-hmm. but uh, it's almost like watching a film when you see these. That's these what i said to here. you guys. It was yeah. almost
3: like a loop in time playing over. Okay. And like these people maybe just arrived and there used to be an old train station mm-hmm. and they'd stay at the hotel. These people either waiting for a train, just got off a train and they were talking and it was clear like they were facing each other and she was wearing a, um, it could have been blue or gray dress, long dress. She had what I thought was like a bonnet on her head Mm-hmm. and he was wearing um, kind of like what you see a lot of Mennonites in our area wear um, when they're um, the, the young men, you know, that, that hat, that but it's not like the straw hat. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like golfers used to wear back in the 30s, that, that hat. If right. You know what I'm talking about? Like a newsboy
2: cap almost. Yeah, or, that kind mm-hmm.
3: of a, a – yeah, that's right, exactly. Yeah. And then um, he had on uh, – it almost looked like a jeans – jacket and but it not like a, our modern Levi's style jean jacket mm-hmm. and jean style pants mm-hmm. and they were there talking and I could hear her kind of
2: now when you heard them was it disembodied or in your head
3: uh it to me it was coming from the room
2: so it wasn't like, disembodied voice.
3: yeah and that, that's what could maybe turn my head and I put my hand up like I'll be there in a minute thinking it was a customer but part of my head as I'm waiting on this guy and I just go here and he took this thing that he needed I'm thinking how the age did they get in there and I, my first question when I walked in was going to be how would you guys get in because I don't know how you got past me because right. there's one doorway in and the other side of the building's locked hmm. and I walked all around and you you guys know you've been on investigations when you get into a room and there's something there you'll start you might get goosebumps you might mm-hmm. and and I'm still not proven that there's nobody there yet because I have one more room to walk around and I'm thinking they're over there mm-hmm. and all of a sudden I mean like I just had goosebumps and just and then I remember I went to the room, there was nobody there, and I said, get off me. I yeah. said, I, I, I'm not. Uh, I'm just curious. I saw you, mm-hmm. and I knew right away that those were apparitions. That, uh,
2: now, you've yeah. seen quite a few spirits at your workplace already. Uh, this, has, has there been any sightings of Sasquatch at your workplace? No. No? <laughs> no. And if there is, I... And if there is, we know who to talk to. Yeah. Because she's on the line. And uh, we have our guest this week, Amy Bew, calling... or. We're calling her all the way in Ohio.
4: That's
1: right. Welcome, Amy. Hi.
4: Thank you. Hello. Thanks for having me.
1: Our uh, pleasure. Yeah. Now you, uh, I'm looking over your bio here and uh, it's, it's quite the bio, uh, I'm going to say co-founder of Project ZooBook and investigator for the Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization in Ohio and Pennsylvania. She's the Sasquatch whisperer. Yeah, <laughs>
4: I'm not an expert now. No, no not, <laughs> not an expert. The Sasquatch whisperer. Oh yes, yeah. so hopefully that. All
1: right, <laughs> right, and, and we talk a lot on this program about there's no such thing really as an expert in in any of these fields. Right. Right? No, right. Uh, we're all we all learn constantly. I love this. It's You're the head of Amy's Bucket List Expeditions. Abel, explain that for us. Yeah.
4: Well, I do a lot of things nowadays with kids. I'm a teacher as well, and I do things with Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, 4-H, youth groups. I do a lot of talks for libraries and things like that. So I do most of those through that organization. Um, it came about, I am a time cancer survivor oh. and I decided, I know, it's awesome, <laughs> <Is> <laughs> and it I ever? decided um, when, when my older brother passed away actually in 2015 and it really struck me that I'm very lucky to be here still and so I came up with a bucket list, like a real bucket list because people talk about them. <laughs> things that I really want to do down on there, you know, cause I, I, I realized we aren't promised, you know, all the time in the world. So, um, most of those things happen to do with Bigfoot. <laughs> so right. I, I do a lot of, a lot of things with Bigfoot through that, but my plans are to do to spread out a little bit into some other areas, especially with kids.
1: Right. So you got to tell me how Amy View became interested in Bigfoot in the first place.
4: Well, it was it was by accident, really. I was a uh, the story goes that I was a passenger in a car going over a bridge here in Mahoning County, Ohio, and I saw something. And my first reaction to seeing it was that it looked like a Bigfoot. And um, I still to this day can't say for sure what it was, but. What it looked like was a very large figure, all one color, holding onto a tree, and it was looking out at the water, which was where I was looking as well.
5: Um,
4: the problem is that you're going about at least 50 miles an hour over that bridge, mm-hmm. and it's not a very long bridge. And so by the time you know we got parallel to it, at uh, least we, we were still about a hundred yards away and rush past it, and I yell out to the other people in the car that I think I just saw a Bigfoot. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But I can't be sure, you know, I can't be sure of what it was because it was far away, and it was quick. Right. But that is what it looked like. And I knew enough about Bigfoot, you know, from In Search Of and different shows from when I was a kid and movies, and I um, did a report about the Loch Ness Monster, and the book I used had a Bigfoot stuff in it. I just didn't know that they were actually considered by some people to be real and certainly not in Ohio. But whether or not that first sighting was the real deal is what got me interested. And I started reading about Sasquatch in Ohio and other places and listening to podcasts like this and um, and talking to people. And now I'm the one interviewing other people. So that's the that's the short version,
2: did you see it well enough to describe it, like like its facial features or its color or anything like that?
4: it was it was dark um, I mean not it was the creature the thing itself was dark. Um, it was during daylight hours actually getting toward dusk, but not quite um, very tall. What struck me was how wide it looked, but the problem is that the area where I saw it is. Um, under the direction of the Department of Homeland Security. So you're not allowed to go in there. So I could never do any kind of reenactment or recreation to see really how tall it would have been. Okay. I know exactly every time I drive past there, I know exactly where it was standing. So, I mean, I possibly could, but, you know, it's been seven years now. So I'm not sure how good my memory would be, but it, it was very, very large. It was not a bear. I know that. I've seen several bear, and it didn't have any kind of a muzzle, um, it, and its shoulders and everything weren't the right, you know, stance for a right. bear on its hind legs. It had its, its arm was up, holding onto the tree, and it moved all at once. Its head was a little, you know, not pointed like a Christmas tree, but pointier um, than a normal head. And it um, was kind of positioned out by looking out toward where these birds were flying around, um, there's like cement blocks in the water, so these birds were flying around by the nearest cement block. So um, you know, it moved, it was so it was alive. But can I one hundred percent say that it wasn't somebody in a costume or something? No, it didn't look like clothing, it looked like fur. Yeah. But it was so I mean a football field I wouldn't I didn't see any kind of facial features or anything like that.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. Well, wow. So that's what started. So I always it say
4: that, that first thing was kind of boring, but after that, I've had more exciting things happen.
1: <laughs> well, we'll get to that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah no, exactly. Um, and this, uh, you, you've kind of actually put together a, a whole project called Project Zoo Book, and you surrounded yourselves with, uh, what is this, uh, zoologists, anthropologists, other scientists, and uh, put this group together. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, Project Zoo Book.
4: That's my favorite thing to talk about. It is just so exciting to me. Um, I am not a scientist. I'm a reading teacher and an English teacher, also an editor and technical writer, so I'm not a science person, but I've always loved science. I love animals, and I take the approach as a Bigfoot researcher that Bigfoot could be a living, breathing animal, and I always qualify that with saying that I don't know if it is that, you know, I am, um, well, you guys probably know that in Bigfoot circles, there's a lot of division where you have the people who think it's an animal, you know, sometimes type of a primate, and then there's people who think it's either spiritual or maybe an alien or something like yeah. that, yeah. and I always say that I look at it more, you know, how I'm researching it is as an animal because I don't... See why it couldn't be, but I'm open to other things. Like I, I have very good friends who have absolute opposite opinion as I do, and I can't say they're wrong, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm open to listening to all kinds of stories. But um, Project zoo Book is definitely um, from a scientific angle. And what happened was I had met um, by accident, really, a very wonderful person. She's a climatologist and a zoologist at, at a um, one of the zoos in, in the United States. Um, I don't divulge which one or which zoos we work with right now because I always say that um, although the scientists that I work with and my group works with are very open-minded and very interested in Bigfoot. It doesn't mean that their zoo boards are. They're still forced in the Bigfoot closet, I say. Yep, yep. <laughs>
5: so,
4: um, but she and I kind of started this whole thing and because she was saying that um, she and her coworkers, which ended up being the whole primate department at her zoo, pretty much, um, were interested in Bigfoot and learning about Sasquatch, and they would listen to podcasts and read things and read reports just like I did you know, just as a normal person who happened to see something and got interested. And um, them being, you know, people that work with great apes, they work with gorillas, they work with chimps and other um, animals. They, you know, have a whole different background knowledge that they would bring to this. So we decided we wanted to try to make a little official group out of it. And it kind of exploded a bit because um, we started with... Her and uh, her one coworker and some of the other co-workers she had would join in sometimes, and then I had a group of trusted friends that I research with or I have um, a good relationship with across the country even, and we started just talking, and it, we call ourselves kind of a, a think tank, I guess, is the biggest thing we do where we have a lot of um, calls that we will talk about different topics. and. We have different guests that come on our phone conference calls. But now we've been getting more into actually going out into the field and, um, you know, taking them out where people are seeing things, having witnesses talk to them. Um, we went out, myself and two of the primatologists went out to uh, the Olympic Peninsula earlier this year and got to see some of the nests that the Olympic Project is working on out there that... Um, you know, we think are possible softwatch mess. So it's been very, very cool. We have, yeah, we have some anthropologists. We have different scientists that are coming on board, and it's just, you know, uh, a, it was a shocker to me that they would want to, <laughs> they would want to talk to us at first because I don't know if you ever get this, but you know, it's not like scientists always want to get involved. But um, it's been fun. We've had a really good time and. We have a lot of plans coming up, and I, I'm just excited about
2: it. I think you find kind of more and more now that people are more open to the thought of Bigfoot and maybe a paranormal connection to it because, you know, scientists have discovered other dimensions. They're now teleporting uh, molecules from one end of the country to the other, all sorts of things. And, uh, I, I, you know, I, I, I find that if you, you know, really got people open up, especially that scientific community, I think more and more of them would be prone to say, yeah, I think there's something out there, or there's more to it. So what did your uh, family and friends think about your newfound uh, uh, passion of all things cryptid?
4: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Well, I mean, I I am relatively new in this, this. My original sighting happened in 2012, so I've been, you know slowly getting more and more into it. And at this point, it's really a second full-time job for me. Um, I spend so much time between between ABLE and Project Zoo Book and taking reports. And um, I speak at a lot of different places. My, my favorite thing I've been doing is, uh, like, different hunting shows and fishing shows, things like that. So I get a lot of reports that way. I have a lot of support from some of my family members (laughs) not so much from others i have to say that it's kind of one of those things that if if they aren't willing to really look into it i get it that it sounds crazy to them if they choose not to then you know it whatever it doesn't it doesn't hurt my feelings and it's not going to stop what i do well you
2: know? know what you gotta you gotta do what makes you happy too right And and not care about not care about everyone else. Like even when I tell people what I do with you know and talk about Bigfoot's and you know spirits and UFOs, I I get you know the Mm -hmm. smirks and the rolling of eyes. But you know I don't care anymore. No, no, so and you know
3: what it speaks.
4: I don't either. either.
3: It speaks volumes too that the type of people that are willing to work with you. You know you've got zoologists. Um, We've spoke with a group here in uh, Ontario, and they have biologists that we're working with them, that they see enough, I guess, evidence that they think there's something out there, but they're doing it on the QT right. for professional
4: reasons. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And I respect that, you know, um, we always say for Project Blue Book that we're trying to carry Dr. Vindernagel's torch. You know, mm-hmm. he was a scientist and he said, you know, he just wanted to make the subject less taboo in scientific circles. So we're trying to do that ourselves. But I just figure I last month I took the train over to Washington, D.C., and I was able to see Jane Goodall, and um, talk, I've been talking a little bit to somebody from her institute as well, and if, I just figure it's people like her or the other scientists, like you said, and even a lot of the researchers, I mean, they are very, very intelligent people. If they are, you know, interested, just like you said, you know, it's not like we're all just, running around whacking on trees or something or right. <laughs> <We're> taking <laughs> yeah. it seriously but so, it's really yeah, cool when the the
2: trees wrap back isn't it
4: yeah well, it's <laughs> fun that's not fun to do but, i mean that's not all we do no, no. but but I, I love what you said about um you know science being more interested in and the you know quantum physics being involved in things and i i just always say we when it comes to either spirits or Bigfoot or anything like that, we, we just probably don't know how the science works yet. No. no, You know, but you can't be so arrogant to say that something that seems, you know, par- well, is paranormal because it's out of what we see as normal doesn't mean it's not true.
1: That's
3: right. Well,
4: wasn't... Um... I, I always say that I think Bigfoot is real, but I... I'm positive that ghost are real because I've seen one. <laughs> so,
3: yeah, well, so uh, yeah. we're with you on that. You're preaching to the choir. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But like, wasn't it yeah. lowland gorillas were found, weren't discovered until like the 30s or the 40s?
4: Right. That was just last year. Mountain gorillas and lowland gorillas were, yeah. were relatively recent.
3: That's right. And then
4: you have cross river gorillas were just finally videoed this century. That's right. You know they have they people couldn't find them. One of one of the I work with you know the guy who was over there looking for them and and um, I could be getting my times a little bit off but I believe what he said was that he was over there looking for the cross river gorillas for 10 years and he saw them for a total of eight seconds yeah in 10 years yeah. because mm-hmm. they're so good at hiding
3: yeah. yeah so why couldn't there be something in North America like um, the people like, the Ontario Sasquatch they consider like an apex predator um, that's how right. they describe it. Why couldn't this thing have developed
2: survival skills? You know, like, if, if you right. think
3: about it, like, if you just, for example, like, say your German shepherd dog, mm-hmm. and he was able to do it, wanted to play hide and seek with you in the woods. That dog could make sure you didn't see that dog because he can hear better than you. Yep. He can move faster yep. than you. He can smell better than you. So why couldn't something like a p- potential, like North American ape, if you will, just to throw a term out there, if it has those senses above and beyond our own, and the ability, physically, to go into areas that are hard for us to navigate, and why couldn't it possibly be, mm-hmm. you know, and at the end of the day...
4: That's how I feel.
3: Yeah, and, and you, like, you. how many sightings do you guys get contacted about in a year, if you had to just throw a number together, like a ballpark figure?
4: I don't know, I just, I feel like, you know, that going back to the Cross River Grill is, what, from what I understand, there's only like two to 300 of them left in the wild, and they're still a viable breeding population. Mm-hmm. You know they're endangered, but they're still there. And and I always talk about how if if you look at how the natives over in Africa or in Asia were talking about these gorillas exist, these exist, these orangutans exist, and they would talk about them as wild men of the forest or you know wild people, hairy mm-hmm. men, whatever. And nobody would believe the natives, or the westerners wouldn't, you know, believe them. I look at the Native Americans and the First Nations people of Canada, and I'm like, we're doing the same thing. I yep. feel that yep. we could be doing the same thing. They're saying they exist, and we're like, well, poo-poo, you know, that's just a myth. <laughs> and I don't think that it, that's
1: necessarily true. Do people call your organization with sightings?
4: Um, I have been a, um, a researcher for the... Bigfoot field researchers organization that i'm no longer going to be with them i'm kind of going off on my own um Mm -hmm. because i i actually i'm so busy i have i don't have a lot of time for that anymore so i get a lot of reports on my own like i said through um fishing shows shows hunting shows libraries and now i you know i get my business card out and um, leave it strategically different places, so I get a lot of reports myself now. Um, so you guys heard it first. Cool.
2: That's right. <laughs> yep, we got the scoop. Breaking news. <laughs> so when you when you're actually doing your own investigations, what types of, of methods would you use, and you know what type of equipment would you take, or what you what are you looking for when you're out in the bush?
4: Well, I always must, I guess, talk to the person, um, and if at all possible, go to see them. You know, if, if somebody calls me or they email me or tell somebody about me or whatever and they want to tell me their story, I want to get together with them. And um, I'm not saying that I'm not, you know, duped some of the time because I'm sure that I am. I don't think every time somebody says they saw a Bigfoot that they did. I mm-hmm. think a lot of times it's probably misidentification and I think other times people are just lying about it, you know, so... Um, as a teacher, I feel like I have a pretty good feel if somebody's just straight out lying to me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because I get it all the time from my students. You're right. Yeah. Um, I'm sure that, I'm sure I don't always catch it, you know, because sometimes people are just really good buyers. but I feel like if they're going to tell me their story in person, I can get a better feel for that. So, I'll go meet with them. Um, Hopefully, they'll take me out to where they have the sighting, if that's possible again, and most of the time it is, so I've I've gone, you know, trudging through the woods a lot of different places to see where people are seeing things, and then you, you try to reenact it as well as you can. So, for example, there was a gentleman who, I had his report, he was from um, Pennsylvania, so I do a lot in Ohio, and I live very close to the border of PA, so I'm over there a lot as well, and so... Um, I went and met him and his wife and their dog and he told me his story and if there I mean I've had a lot of really good witnesses but if there's any witness that I can remember that I really believed it was him because he was just like viscerally affected by what happened to him where he was shaking and when we did a reenactment I I was actually with a with an investigator from Ontario. Um, really? She was there there during that time. And and I asked her to go stand by the tree where he said he saw this creature. And when she did, and she, she's pretty tall, pretty tall lady. And when she did, she stood there and she, he had first seen it in profile. So she stood that way. And then when she turned and faced him like it did, he started crying because he just was saying how big this thing was and how wide it was and, It was very upsetting to him. The dog was upset. Um, You know, I gave him a moment and I talked to his wife because I was the first person that he had told this to, myself and the other investigator that I brought with me because I don't go by myself, you know. And his wife was telling me about how, you know, he had called her when this happened and that he had never missed a day of work in his life until that day and then couldn't go into work for a few days because it really... Frightened him.
5: Wow. And
4: so when you see somebody, a grown man, you know, he, he's a construction worker, you know, normal guy that it affects like that, and he knew it wasn't a bear and it was close enough that he knew that, um, it, it makes you really think because all you have to do, you know, Bigfoot investigators say this all the time, but all, the old, all that has to be true is one story like that. Yep. You have thousands of stories from people. But if one person is not lying to you, and they had a really good look at it, then it's real. That's
5: right. And so now, you
3: know, what was so, was there anything that happened that upset him, or was it just the actual sighting that upset him? Like, did this thing, like, was, growl, or...
4: Was, I can tell you the story if you'd like. Sure. It oh, by uh, all means. Sure. He was a foreman for a construction crew, and they were supposed to take down a water tower but it was in February of that year, and so they needed to melt what water was left in it before they could take it down because it's, like, frozen.
5: Mm
4: -hmm. So he took the shift at night, where all he had to do was sit in his truck, and he would set the alarm on his watch for every half hour, and it would wake him up, and he would make sure the generator was still going. So they had this generator, like, under the water tower, you know, so he could see the flames, and it was melting that water. And so that's all he had to do. So he was in his truck. It was cold out. So he was kind of cocooned in a whole bunch of blankets and his coat and everything in the truck because he didn't want to run it all night. You know, the alarm would go off every half hour. But one time it hadn't gone off and he woke up because something had shoved the truck, like really shoved it and jerked the whole truck. So he said he, you know, popped up and he tried to get out of all of his um, blankets and stuff and knocked his phone over. To the floor of the passenger side of the truck and he could hear something walking and he eventually, you know, got out of all this stuff and looked up and in the light from the generator, I'm not good at distances, but I would say it was like maybe 15 to 20 feet away, not far. He saw this big creature standing there like in the light of the generator and it was in profile and he went to move to go pick up his Phone and when he moved, it must have like seen the movement and turned and looked straight at him. You know, so it was facing him, and he. That's when he started crying, and he was just like, it was just so big. It was so big, it was so wide, and mm-hmm. um, he saw it. He saw space, face. He saw what it looked like, and and it turned. It like it didn't threaten him. It didn't come at him, but it. I think it was more like just isn't supposed to be there like you're seeing something that isn't supposed to exist and it was very upsetting to him
3: right
4: right so you could just see how much it affected him and and that affected me in turn because I always say you know some people say they know that could exist, and I've had a lot of strange things happen to me but I've never had the experience where it was like standing right there (laughs)
5: you know so
4: I I have I have that little bit of skepticism still in me, you know, that. but that, that one really affected me because I'm like, this man is not lying to me. Mm-hmm. I just knew he wasn't.
2: One thing uh, that I found surprising, and, and this was uh, something I came across long before I found you on Facebook, was how many Bigfoot sightings there actually are. In Ohio, and uh, you know, when I looked into it a little bit more, I, I mean, I've been to Ohio many, many times. I've been to Cleveland, I've been to Toledo, Akron, Columbus, Cincinnati, and it's mm-hmm. it's strange to me how forested it is. Like, uh, there's, yeah, you know, when you when you look down from a plane, <laughs> you know, it's crazy at, at how much forest there is, and you know.
4: There really is.
2: And it a would be a it would be a perfect like place for something like that to hide, right? Mm-hmm. Same as Pennsylvania right. too. It's like one oh. huge forest, right? Wow.
4: I, I spend a lot of time in Columbiana County, Ohio. I got a lot of reports from there. The majority of my reports.
2: Is this in the eastern part of the state?
4: Yeah, northeast. Okay. Yeah, I live in Youngstown. Alrighty. Um, so we're I'm about smack between Cleveland and Pittsburgh. Like an hour to Cleveland, an hour to Pittsburgh. Okay, okay. Yeah. So I could walk to Pennsylvania from my house if I wanted to because it's, <laughs> it's just a few miles. Already. Um, yeah, but we like Columbiana County is a little south of where I live, but it's like the uh, foothills going into um, eventually into PA. Like there's a Beaver Creek State Park, and then across the river, Little Beaver Creek, you get into um, State Forest for Pennsylvania, and then it keeps <clears> going, and eventually the Allegheny National Forest. So there's a lot of trees. And then you get down to Southern Ohio, like Adams County, a lot of trees. Um, and even, you know, in Mahoning County, Portage County, um, Cuyahoga, like the bottom of it, not up where Cleveland is, but like the Cuyahoga Valley National Park, there's several sightings there and, and a lot of audio that has been taken out of that area.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there's the Ohio uh, howls. Yep. I believe is yes. on YouTube. you'll hear a lot of. I've listened to them, and it's really eerie. This, yeah, the screaming. It is that's, yeah. that
4: was down taken down in Wellsville, which is also in Columbia County. So that's right, the epicenter for me, where I take a lot of reports, either out of there or out of the Allegheny National Forest and Cook Forest in Pennsylvania. I get a lot.
2: Now, Amy, I, I'm not going to ask you to disclose any location, but is there a favorite spot that you like to go and search for? Any signs of Bigfoot?
4: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't mind telling you to, like, I usually, it's funny because I share way too much on Facebook, <laughs> <laughs> it's stupid jokes or whatever, but like, if I'm out for a long period of time doing research, I probably won't say a lot about it, at least not until I'm done because I don't want, like, not that I really think anybody's going to come out there and start howling and, you know, trying to trick me, but I just want to be of that, you know, but no, I I don't mind sharing where I go. I I go a lot to to the Allegheny National Forest. My grandpa used to have a hunting cabin pretty close to Marionville, PA, but way out in the forest. And so I grew up going there, so I'm very familiar with that area. And so I, I go a lot to that same area just because there are a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of sightings coming out of there. I, I spoke at a Monroeville sportsman show last year. And I can't tell you how many reports I got because I, it, I was setting up, I was there the night before crawling around on the floor, setting up the carpet that they wanted for my table to be there and all this stuff. And I had people that were vendors coming up to me, telling me stories, you know, and that was the first sportsman show I did. And I wasn't sure if I was going to get tomatoes thrown at me or what. Right. <laughs> um, I just, but no, like I, I got so many reports, and so that's why I'm, I've just been so busy. But um, tons of them coming out from that area of the Allegheny National Forest near Marionville. So I'd say go for it. You know, more people seeing something or out there the better. I'm not real secretive with where I go. And then um, also down to uh, Beaver Creek State Park and Beaver Creek State Forest. Down in Columbiana County, those are my favorites. I mean, I love to go, like, I've, I've made good friends and I, I've i been out west a lot, especially this year and last year, um, was out north of Spokane, Washington, out in the Olympics, Mount Hood, Oregon this summer. So I love being out there, you know, and, and before I knew that there were sightings in Ohio, that's where I would have thought Bigfoot was, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but people are seeing them over this way, too.
2: Do you do, ever do any gifting?
4: I myself don't. Okay. I I don't know how I feel about it. You know, it's kind of like if these things are animals. I don't see that really working except like if you're giving food and they want food back. You right. know, like if you would put... I used to feed those neighborhood squirrels where I used to live in Cleveland. You know, and then put food so they'd come. And so... I don't live, I live in Youngstown, Ohio, which is a city, so I don't live somewhere where I could be, like, putting something out and keeping an eye on it or anything like that. Right. Um I do have one pretty special area of mine in the Alleghenies that I go to a lot. But, again, like, I'll go there for weeks at a time in the summer being a teacher, um, but I'm not there all the time. And I'm not sure that I want a big, giant animal coming in all the time yeah you know um but you know if they are something else it's
2: not it's not always food though that people leave sometimes they leave like uh, uh, rocks like sparkly rocks gemstones that kind of thing
4: so yeah they do they do and so i think that you know if if these creatures are something more or different than a large primate then i say why not You know, it's
2: just not something that I do. See, we we know a couple with uh, Ontario Bigfoot, and they take uh, big jars of peanut butter. They would just leave the jar of peanut butter there, walk away, and, you know, the the lid would be ripped off, or it would look like something punched its thumb through it. But but then, you know, one of the times they went through, the guy would open the lid. Yeah, above his head. Yeah, and close the lid, and open the lid, and close the lid. So if it was watching him, he was showing it how to remove it properly and ever since they've done that right. uh, whenever they go back to retrieve the peanut butter the lid is on mm-hmm. but the whole thing has been cl- completely wiped clean so
4: right and know, that's and, definitely not a bear you no know, and
2: that's definitely not a bear so yeah. that and you know yeah. who's out in the bush eating your peanut butter you yeah. know <laughs> yeah.
1: right when you go out and it's maybe not an investigation like it so you just want to go out into the bush uh, so are you doing tree tapping is there other tools that you use or or yells or yelps what what do you use amy
4: i always say that i'm kind of boring as far as big go because i don't i do do that sometimes but what i usually do i just try to be a normal person out there um i I was just down in uh, South Carolina. I was asked to head up a group of women, and we backpacked in several miles um, into our campsite. It was at a site where another group of women say they all saw a Sasquatch, and they weren't Bigfooters. They just were there camping, and so we were kind of hoping that lightning would strike twice, but it didn't, but (laughs) we wanted it to. Um, So both at that and then when I went out to Mount Hood with some fellow researchers, we, again, backpacked in several miles Um and we just camped, you know, like we were fishing, the guys were fishing, I was gathering wood, um, they went off to fish at another lake and I kind of was gathering wood and singing and whistling and just kind of making noise, you know, like, but Trying to be like a normal person is more what I usually do. Mm -hmm. But then if you're there several days and nothing's happening, that's when I start, like, whooping and knocking on stuff just to see if I can rile
0: something up. <laughs> right, okay. You know? You're listening to Phantom Faction Podcast. To reach out to Phantom Faction, see our Facebook page or email us directly at phantomfaction@outlook.com
3: Now, question for you. Do you have any um, sightings that you can relay to us that, you know, maybe a little bit on the more uh, frightening side? Like, our listeners love, you know, when we talk about, you know, ghost issues and stuff poltergeist and all that. Is there anything that um, you know that people might hear and think, "Wow, like I hope that would never happen to me"?
4: I personally haven't taken any that were like super frightening or super creepy, but I know some that have been told to me. One, I I think it was even more creepy because I was out in the woods when this was told to me. But like I said, I w- I flew out to Spokane um, September. Labor Day weekend, and spoke at a conference out there. And then I had been asked if I wanted to go up north a little bit toward Canada and go on an expedition. So of course I said yes, and we were out. We met up with the local um, Bigfoot researchers there, and it was just a creepy place. Like normally, I'm not afraid anymore in the woods. Like I've taken a lot of bushcraft courses, and um, I. I just am a lot more comfortable than when I first started this. I'm still learning, but I, 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 used to be terrified and I'm just not scared a lot. I think I kind of turned something off in my brain so I'd be able to do it, you know? Mm-hmm. But, um, we were sitting there and it's all I can say, it's in Stevens County, Washington. And it was just a creepy place. <laughs> it was very quiet there. Like you, we would find like, um, tracks of cougar and large bear and, either a small wolf or a big coyote, I'm not sure, but it's all these animals that never saw any and never heard anything for a long time, and not even birds. It was just very quiet and eerie. And um, the one guy was telling about how he and his friend were camping there, and they, he, they each had their own tent, and he was in his tent trying to go to sleep, and he could hear somebody walking around. And so... He's like, "Hey, why are you out there thinking it was his friend? Except the thing didn't didn't respond, and so he thought it you know it was either his friend teasing him or his friend was sleeping, and it was something else. So he said that you know he waited a while, and all of a sudden, and I, I'm probably getting the story a little bit wrong, but this is what I remember him saying. But he saw uh, like an impression of a hand." and then an arm going under the tent, like under the material of the tent. You could see it coming toward his his, his air mattress. Oh, and it grabbed the air mattress and kind of flipped him. And so he was rolling over, and because he, he had heard something breathing out there, and then his arm comes under there, and I'm like, oh, my God. So then he yelled, and his friend yelled from the other tent, and he knew it wasn't him. And he looked, the, the thing starts running and get, got caught in the ropes of his tent and it was dragging him in the tent Jeez. like a long it. So, i'm like no so, so eventually it, you know it got out and everything and kept going now what it was he doesn't know but it was a really long big arm he said and, and there have been several sightings around that area plus audio and footprints and everything So that was crazy to hear when we're like in that same place. And then that night I was in my tent and I was a little creeped out, you know, something about that. Um, And, and what was weird was I fell asleep and I woke up and I'm still waiting to hear if they caught this on audio. I haven't heard yet, but, um, Something woke me up and I like sat up upright in my tent and all I can tell you that it sounded like, I mean, I'm not familiar with every animal sound there is, especially when it's not in Ohio. Like I took a Ohio certified volunteer naturalist course. Um, and I know a lot of things about animals, but I'm not saying this was for sure Bigfoot, but what it sounded like was a cross between a lion roaring and a T-Rex sound from Jurassic Park. It was just this like <laughs> loud, horrible, roaring, yelling, mm. laugh, noise. And it I could feel it, you know. And I'm like, oh, my God. Man. So that was scary. And I just thought that was creepy with the arm, you know, coming in under the tent and then trying to mm. grab him. Because normally stories that I get, the things are running away. You know, right. they're not confrontational or anything like
2: that. When you heard that roar, were you affected physically at all? Because we always hear about, like, the infrasound and uh, things like that where people, you know, feel sick to their stomach or, or have, a, a smell, have a Yeah, or is there a, a smell related to it in the area or anything like that?
4: No, nothing like that. It was actually coming from, from a distance. Like, okay. it wasn't anything that was right outside the tent or anything like that. Basically, I just wanted to pee my pants so that's how right, right. <laughs> no it wasn't close enough or anything like that but i have talked to people who feel that that something did affect them that way and it's very i mean i feel bad for the people but it's very interesting to me
2: right because like that ju-
4: something can do that
2: like i was just saying uh i know a lady who had an encounter uh and she described it as a t-rex roar like from a you know jurassic park type of thing and she didn't she didn't see, she didn't see the creature. But she lost, you know, the poor lady lost control of her bowels. She threw up. She was mm-hmm. dizzy. Yeah. And she said she was affected by the roar, like this. And she, she right. said it was probably this infrasound. And, uh, you know, she's.
4: I wouldn't doubt it. And I think that if I had been close to whatever was making that noise, I would have just, it would have been terrifying. Like, mm-hmm. it was scary enough that I could tell it was from a distance. That's interesting, though, that somebody else said that. Mm-hmm. That's what it sounded like.
2: And this lady, I mean, her her profession is she's in the bush all the time. She works for the mm-hmm. Ministry of Natural Resources, and she's out, you know, uh, shooting coyotes all the time and trapping things. Yeah, and she was deer hunting that day when, uh, when it happened to her. So, and we've been trying to get her on the show, but, uh, she hasn't responded to any of my emails, but
4: we were very close to Canada where we were camping,
2: camping in That's Niagara nice Falls. Idea.
4: No, we were, we were up near British Columbia. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> wow.
1: Okay. Amy, do you, do you collect evidence, uh, hair samples or anything that you find or footprints? Yep. Footprints.
4: I would love to, I would love to, I'm just not a very lucky researcher, I guess, but, um, I, I have found a few um, like indentations that weren't really castable. I've been with other people when they have found prints. So they did cast them and I practice all the time on other animal prints. So someday I'm going to find a really great big footprint that I can cast. But, um, no, I mean, Project Do Book, we, we, um, we are pretty close with the Olympic Project and they're doing a lot of great work like that out with their nesting site out on the Olympic Peninsula where they're doing DNA testing and looking for hair and, mm-hmm. um, all that kind of stuff. So that to me is the most exciting research going on right now is the Olympic Project research. Um, I myself, I would, I hope to, you know, I practice DNA collection Things like that. I just haven't found anything worth collecting
2: yet. Right, Amy, you said you that you've seen a oh. ghost before.
4: Oh, I did.
2: And we're well, we're taking a little up. bit of a different angle here, but uh, yeah, we got to hear the ghost. story. But we got to hear the ghost story before <laughs> we let you yeah, go. Yeah,
4: but yeah, no, I, I I saw one. I was um, I was at Fort Meigs. Um, it's near Toledo, Ohio. And my ex husband and I used to go to a lot of different, like, historical, like, battleground things for the Civil War or whatever. This, this was more, uh, the War of 1812. Um, there was a battle there and.
2: We apologize we for that to too, by the way. <laughs> yeah.
4: yeah. <laughs> That's funny. We went, we went to the museum and we were out, um, you know, in the fort itself and it was me and him. And our daughter, she was young. And she had, like, run into this, like, little building that was there. And we were kind of walking over to where she was going to be. The important part to me is that my ex-husband saw this, too. And he doesn't believe in anything. Like, he just (laughs) thinks (laughs) so And we're actually very good friends, so I can say that. But anyway, um, he and I both saw a soldier, and we thought we had, we we were looking towards where Anna ran. We looked, we turned back around, and there was a soldier walking away from us, and it looked like a person, you know? So we both thought it was a reenactment. We're like, where'd he come from? You know, because it was just like this open space, and we're like, man, he must have been really fast to come from somewhere. We didn't see him. And he's walking away from us, walking away from us, and he disappeared. Wow. And it was to the point, like, we, we were just like, ah! We both gasped, and then we walked over. There was nowhere for him to have gone, and we were so sure that it had been a person that we even went after. There were any reenactors today, you know, like trying to make sense of any of it. But no, one hundred percent. I thought I remember what he was wearing, the colors of what he was wearing, you know. He and he was just gone. So I believe I don't know what it was. You know, I I know enough about. Um, I have friends that ghost hunt and things like that. I'm I'm wimpy when it comes to that kind of stuff, but I know they talk about like residual hauntings. You know, like that's what I think. Maybe just you saw something that happened, you can mm-hmm. see it again. I don't know.
3: Before you go, yeah. I'm a big fan of Sasquatch Chronicles, and uh,
2: oh
4: yeah,
3: yeah. Wes always asks his guests. What do you think
2: Sasquatch
3: is? There's no right or wrong. I was going
2: to ask the same exact question. If if you
3: had to come up with an answer to that, what would be your best guess or best shot in the wind at what Sasquatch is?
4: Um, I think, who knows, next year maybe I'll look at it differently, but what I think it is is a, an undiscovered or undocumented North American primate. Something... Mm-hmm. Um, that has been here a long time, that the Native Americans are familiar with. And I, as far as where it lands, like, is it way more intelligent than a gorilla or chimp or not? That I'm not sure. But I think it's a, it's a North American primate.
3: Yeah. I'd say I'd have to agree with you. That would be closer to my personal definition. Yeah. With, some,
2: with some paranormal abilities,
4: yes, too. You right? never know.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah. You're, You're all know. about the vibrational yeah. rates and the mind speak and the orbs that are associated yeah. with uh, Sasquatch and people who have seen UFOs at the same time as, they, as they've seen the beasts. And so you never know, right?
1: Yeah. Any advice that you could give uh, people that might want to get into uh, hunting Bigfoot? And I mean, what I hear from you is you have some great survival skills. And I think that's very important, especially uh, out in the deep woods.
4: Yeah, I, I mean... I never used to like. First time I ever camped by myself, I had a Duraflame log, and I put a little lock on the zipper of my tent because I was afraid. <laughs> like,
2: That'll protect that you. I couldn't
4: rip through there with a knife. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm out there a lot, and I want to be out. And the irony of it is that most reports of Bigfoot really are like road crossings; they're not really as deep in the forest. But but I love it. I love camping. I love being out there. And and some reports are out in there, you know, and I think that that would be where they would live. So yeah, I'm I'm taking classes um, through the Midwest um, Native. Uh, I forgot what it's called. The Midwest Skills. Native Skills Institute right. near Cleveland. Um, bushcraft classes, and I think it's really important to be able to take care of yourself while you're out there. And the biggest, the biggest advice I would give somebody starting in this is, you know. Don't let anybody tell you what Bigfoot is or isn't. Come up with your own conclusions. Read a lot. Talk to people. But try very hard to stay out of drama because just like wherever you have any kind of humanity that, you know, is interested in the same thing, there's a lot of drama in Bigfooting and try to try to weave out of that.
2: <laughs> now, here, here's a million-dollar question, and I would love to ask this of any uh, Bigfoot investigator. If we finally did prove one hundred percent, dragged a body out of the bush and said, here it is, do you think that would be beneficial or or detrimental? Like do do we really want to, you know, have undeniable proof that these things exist, or would that be would that be you know would the mystery be gone? Would would the mystery be gone or would, would they be gone?
4: Yeah. We have to talk about that a lot in Project Zoo Book, and I think about it a lot because, honestly, if it were just me, like, I wish kind of it would just stay a mystery and that they would just be able to live in peace. But how I feel about it is that, um, like, that's how I feel, I guess, but how, what I think is that if these creatures exist, and I'm still saying if, I think it's just a matter of time before they're discovered and I feel it's important for us to try to protect them, you know, because it seems like whenever there's a animal, any kind of animal out there, you know, people have a good track record of helping them become endangered, you know, and so I I feel like maybe there aren't that many of them and and we need to protect them, put in some kind of protection just like we would with the cross river gorillas the western lowland gorillas or whatever mm-hmm. and so that's that's where i'm coming from but there's that there's that other part of me that i kind of hope they just stay one step ahead
0: of us <laughs> phantom faction podcast a podcast to educate entertain assist and guide anyone involved or interested in the paranormal to reach out to phantom faction see our facebook page or email us directly at phantom at outlook.com